Hello? All right. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Steven. Uh, I work here. Uh, not here at the gym, but here at the branch. Uh, so anyways, it's, if we haven't had a chance to meet, I, I'm eager to meet you. Glad that you're here. Um, we are in a series on Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, and we've been trekking verse by verse. This is our tradition here at the branch. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and make your way over uh, to the letter to the Philippians. This is part of a broader series of sermons on Paul's prison epistles, which are Ephesians, which we uh, checked off in the fall, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. We'll pick up Colossians uh, this coming fall, and Philemon, which is a pretty short letter, uh, we'll do uh, sometime at the beginning of next year. So it's kind of one big sermon series broken up into four different parts. So uh, I want to reiterate what Carlton said um, about Next Steps class and the importance of membership here at the branch. Now, you, if you've been around, you've heard me get on this soapbox before, but for those of you who are new, I have a lot of soapboxes, and they're all really good, and so you should listen to them. Uh, membership is not an elite club here, okay? It's not, we don't save you a seat. You don't get special parking. Um, it, it is a partnership in the gospel, and I cannot say that enough. What we're doing when we come together as brothers and sisters in church membership is we're saying, hey, we're going to go fight the same battle of sin and temptation together, and we're going to pursue Christ's likeness, and we're going to make sure that there's not a square inch of Lumpkin County or Northeast Georgia that hasn't heard the gospel. And we're going to do it under uh, the banner of this local church. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, the Next Steps class is a good way to ask questions, okay? I mean, we're going to go through some of the core beliefs of our church, our rhythms of, as a church, who we are, what we do. But it's really a, a time for you to be able to engage uh, our elders and some of our staff on who we are and what we're about. Okay, so um, does anybody know what's happening this week in the greater scheme of the church calendar? No. Okay, cool. This is my job, so I'm going to step up to the plate here. Um, we, this week, uh, this Wednesday, actually, is Ash Wednesday, okay? So I always like to take these key uh, spiritual days, these big church days, and tell you what they mean, and then you decide. There's nothing in the Bible about Ash Wednesday, for the record, okay? Um, we have a handful of people who grew up Catholic, and they probably were taught that Ash Wednesday is part of the gospel. Um, it's not. But it is something that church history has always leaned on to practice the ways of Jesus. So here's my encouragement to you. You don't have to give something up to observe Lent, okay? Although that is how we traditionally practice Lent. We'll say, hey, I'm going to give up watching Netflix. Trust me, it's only 40 days minus the Sundays, uh, which are feast days, so you can binge on Sundays. Um, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. It's always bad. Uh, but for 40 days, we're practicing Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. So for 40 days, he wandered in the wilderness uh, where he was really getting prepared for ministry. And that's, that's what Lent observes. And so it's 40 days. This is the hardest thing to believe about the whole thing until Easter. Okay? So we're 40 days out, again, minus Sundays until Easter. So I would encourage you, if it's not something you've ever practiced, give it a shot. Try it. Uh, see what it's like. Write it down. Tell me what you're doing. Uh, I'd love to pray for you and encourage you along the way. And um, anyways, so Ash Wednesday is this week, and uh, that means Easter is coming in a hurry. But if you've been around here, you know that we do Easter every Sunday. So he is risen. We'll work on it. It's going to be fine. We've got some practicing to do. Uh, we've made a new tradition here at the branch where we start every, uh, basically every sermon uh, by praying for an unreached people group. And this week is we're praying for the country of Mali, which is on the western side of Africa. 
Uh, Mali has about 30 million people. Uh, less, right around 1% of those people are evangelical Christians. And so uh, this is a very difficult place uh, uh, for, for a lot of reasons. One is just uh, nutrition. And so if, if you, as you pray for Molly this week, pray specifically for babies and infants who are, uh, most of them, their, their life cycle is very short because they don't have access to, to good food uh, and, and ways for their bodies to grow. Also pray uh, just for the gospel. There are workers there. Uh, there are people who are missionaries who are in Mali right now, um, and they are going to gather somewhere, whether it's in a hut or down by a river or somewhere, um, <clears throat> to celebrate uh, Christ the King today. And so let's pray for them as we move throughout our week. Just be mindful of them. You, we send out a little guide that you can use, and we, we're kind of going through. Um, it's called Let the Nations Praise Him. Uh, put out by Radical, which is David Platt's group. You can follow along. Every week we just go through one of those unreached people groups. And so uh, we want to do that for a couple of reasons, okay? So here's me. This is not a soapbox, but it could turn into one. Uh, we're doing that for a few reasons. One is I think generally we're very unaware of what's going on in the world. Or we're ill-informed, or we just live in a little bubble, and we think that Christianity is we show up on Sundays and that's it. And it's not. And, you know, as we've been, we're six or seven weeks in now to doing this, and one of the real convictions I have, guys, that is maybe we're, um, we're among the unreached people group, but we're, our churches are full, okay? And what we mean by unreached people group is that people who just don't know the gospel. We have churches that are packed, but we don't have a lot of people who are following Jesus. And so as we're praying for these other countries, I think it's even helpful for us to pray for our neighbors, for our classmates, for our coworkers, for some in our families, for people who, who they are going through the motions, of life with Christ, but they've actually never known him. And so uh, I pray that our hearts and affections would be stirred towards bringing the gospel to those people, as well as some of you maybe get on a plane and you're going to Mali and we wanna, we wanna help you do that, okay? Uh, or somewhere else, right? It doesn't have to be this place. But let's pray now as we jump in to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Father, we're thankful uh, for a time together, uh, thankful for uh, the freedom that we have to come uh, together as brothers and sisters to sing songs, to praise you, to lift the name of Jesus high above the ceiling of this building, God. I pray that our praises, even our time together in your word today would uh, bring glory to you, would you use it for our good. Would you help uh, stir our hearts towards you so that as we uh, go through life, as we go through this week, uh, that as we press into who you are and as you reveal yourself to us, uh, that we would, be, we would grow in our own Christ-likeness. So I thank you for this church. I thank you for this place. I thank you uh, for these friends, this family, as we uh, chase after Jesus together. So now, as we dive into your word, I pray that you would call us to faithfulness. I pray that you would call us to courage. I pray that you give us a strong conviction to follow in the ways of Paul as he followed in the ways of Jesus. And so we love you, we trust you, and uh, we give this time to you now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here we are. We're in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18b, okay, uh, down through verse 26. And what I mean by b is the way that the, you know, the, the numbers in your Bible are not inerrant, but the words of your Bible are, okay? So the numbers came later. We'll teach you this next week at BST a little bit. Um, the numbers came later. So eight, verse 18 is kind of chopped up into two different thoughts, all right? So we're going to start with yes, and I will rejoice, okay? That's where we're going to start today. And if you have uh, your Bible, you'll see that there. It's right under the to live is Christ uh, 
headline there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on the end of each row. You can grab that. If you don't have a Bible at your house, you can take that one. It's our gift to you. We're on page 921 in that one. Okay, a little hardback black one. All right, so here's, here's the main point today, okay? Before we even read the text, here's the main, the main idea. This is what I want us to, I want it to be so ingrained in our souls uh, that we wake up every day with this thought, okay? It's, it's this, that Jesus is better than anything the world has to offer. Now, all of us come in with different temptations, okay? We had men's gathering this Friday night, and all of us are in different life stages. That's what's so beautiful about our church now. We, did, we used to all be in the same life stage, and God has been generous to us, and now we have people who are retired, people who are desiring to retire, and people who have kids at home, and people who are still kids at home, okay? So we're, we're thankful for that, but all of us have different things in our life, different things that draw our attention away from the holiness of God and towards the happiness of ourselves, Okay, so the main point is that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. Now, if you've been around, if you've heard me teach for a long time, you know that we use a little book at our house. Uh, there's a couple back there called the New City Catechism, okay? And a catechism is basically just a question and answer. Uh, it's a discipleship guide, okay? So the reason that we utilize it and the reason we encourage you to utilize it is because as you learn these questions, as the truths of these discipleship guides, catechism is a weird word, I get it, uh, and maybe some of you come from a tradition where you've kind of repulsed against a catechism, and I totally get it, okay? Um, but as you use this question and answer, our prayer for our kids, our prayer for you as you utilize it, and our prayer for our kids who are back there right now learning these answers, these questions and answers, is as these things in life come to the forefront, that they immediately have a response. Like, hey, I may not believe this yet, but I know that Christ is king, Okay, so the question, the very first question in the New City Catechism is this. What is our only hope in life and death? Okay, what is our only hope in life and death? Before I give you the answer, we're going to read this passage. Okay, so this is Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. This is where it gets hard. Whether by life or by death. Verse 21, a verse you probably all have heard. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me, You may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I love this passage. This is is the reason that I uh, was really pushing for us. Like this is one of the two mountaintops in Philippians, okay? For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. There's another one coming in chapter four that you've all heard. Some of you may have it tattooed on your wrist uh, where Christ gives me strength, right? And so I'm, I'm eager to get to those passages. But this is a pinnacle in the Christian faith because Paul is actually writing it where death is a real threat to him. This isn't like some proverbial death. 
like he's being persecuted, but he's just going to have to move around and bounce from tent to tent. It's actual death is on the line for Paul. He's tasted it. He's seen it. And it's coming for him. He doesn't know when. He doesn't know how. But he knows that it's coming. And this is how he responds. What I love about this passage in particular is Paul's preaching to himself at the beginning, isn't he? He keeps saying, for, for to me, right, for our I, Paul's usually always talking about them or they or we. And here he's talking about, I will rejoice. I know that through your prayers, the spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. He's preaching to himself. Just to encourage you, we, we talk a lot about how important it is for you to read your Bible. Okay, so next week in BST, we labeled it how to read your Bible. Seems pretty obvious, right? And really, it's going to be one of the most practical branch school theologies that we do, along with the spiritual disciplines we did uh, last year. And really what we're going to teach you to do is how do, how do you do theology? When you come to the text, how do you read it? Why do you read it? What's the outcome? And let me tell you, it's not so you have a checklist of things to do. It's so that you can dwell in the presence of a good and glorious God. And that's what Paul needed to be reminded of. And so he's, he's preaching to himself. But as we read God's word, we know that we're now equipped to preach to ourselves. Back to the catechism, okay? What is our only hope in life and death? This is the answer given in the New City Catechism. That we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I was a historical theology major in seminary, which meant that I, a lot, I read a lot of old dead guys, okay? And one of the things, one of the niches within my study was I really, I didn't grow up in a house with catechism, okay? I didn't know what it was, and so I was intrigued by it. I was like, I want to learn more about these. There's another one, German Heidelberg Catechism, that starts the same way. You've got, you got to remember, this is the very first question of New City Catechism. What is our only hope in life and death? The Heidelberg Catechism begins almost exactly the same, but instead of hope, it says comfort, okay? So listen to what it says. What is our only hope in life and death? Now listen to how similar their answer is, but listen how they extend it beyond just the temporal, okay? It says that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and death, to my faithful, faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on, and there's a few other things that it says, he has paid fully for my sins, he preserves me, and he assures me. Anybody need assurance of their faith today? It's okay. All right? We all need to be preserved and assured. That's why we gather together. We sing these songs to be reminded of how good God is and what he's done in our life. Just to remind you real quick, because I know we celebrate Easter every Sunday. He's brought you from death to life. Anybody? <laughs> okay. I know it's raining. Let's go. All right? Let's, let's dive back in. Okay? Verse 19 says... I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So I'm going to walk you through some of these things that Paul is confident in and that he's reminding himself to be confident in. The first is that Paul is confident that he will be delivered. He doesn't know how, but he's confident that he will be delivered. Okay. In verse 20, it says this, as it is my eager expectation and my hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, what does it say? Christ will be honored, okay? So Paul is confident that Christ will be honored whether he lives or whether he dies. Whether he lives or whether he dies. And this is why we're taught, we pray for the nations because we're not, you're gonna wake up most days of your life and never fear death. 
Maybe until you're much older, right? I mean, I, I don't think a lot about death. This is just a full confession. I don't. And most of you younger people probably don't either. Now, there probably are a handful in the room who think about death and maybe think about death regularly. But as you get older, and I've seen my grandparents live this out and, and live this out well, they become okay with it. They begin to grasp it because for them, to die is what? I'm not going to, come on, to die, to die is gain. I want to remind you of Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 16. And this is Paul, he's confident that Christ will be honored. He says that I, I don't want to be ashamed, okay? And just to encourage everyone here, Paul also writes in Romans, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we talk a lot about sending through these epistles, these letters. Talk about being a missionary. You're a missionary where God has sent you. And one of the conversations I've been having with some of you is like, well, I don't, I don't know what God's plan is. Like, I don't know where he's going to send me. I don't know what job I'm going to take after I graduate. I don't know if I'm going to move here or there or over there. And all I know is that I, here's what I do know. God has called you here right now. So you are a missionary here in this moment. And whatever God chooses to do with you down the road is according to his will, not your concern. Okay? Today has enough to worry about in itself. And so as you are here, let's live this out. Let's be confident that Christ will be honored in everything that we do. From the way that we study, from the way that we take our tests, to the way that we go to our jobs, to the way that we parent our kids, and the way that we husband our wives, or we, I've done this before, wives, whatever, you know, the opposite, okay? All of life is for the glory of God, all of it. And when we become distracted, from the glory of God, that is sin. And what we're called to be as Christians is to dwell in the presence of God. And there you will find freedom from temptation. There, please hear me, you will find freedom from shame and from fear and from the thing that thinks you're not worthy to be here, but you, somebody drug you in the room this morning, you're free from that too. That is the power of the gospel. No matter what God's leading you through, we're here to honor him as long as we're here until Christ returns or he calls us home. Okay? Verse 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what is Paul saying here? I heard it summarized one time. Basically, Carlton said I said something smart earlier. I took that from somebody else just for the record. Okay? Just to keep it clear. All right? So if I ever said anything that you're like, huh, that was really good, it came from somewhere else. All right? But I remember one time we were teaching this to college students at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. And they were really wrestling, because everyone's heard this verse, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But I want to live. I don't want to die, so I'm going to live for Christ. I don't, death doesn't seem like gain. But what Paul's saying is, as long as I'm here, I'm going to keep preaching Christ to you. And when I die, I'm going to be in the presence of Christ, and that's far better for me. So you have to understand his heartbeat and what he's saying here. Again, he's facing death. So what is he doing? He's encouraging himself, right? He's reminding himself, and now he's encouraging himself along the way. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I live, you get Christ. If I die, I get Christ. Either way, I'm good. What would it look like if we embodied that? 
All right. I'm going to walk us through a few passages. Some of these are passages that we've studied or will study coming up in Paul's epistles. But just the beauty and the, the consistency of Paul's messaging to different people. Because we're not the church in Philippi. Right? Paul's message is very similar. This is Romans 14, verses 7 and 8. He says, For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the, do you know it? We are the Lord's. We are his. We belong to him. And every day that you have here is a gift and an opportunity. A gift and an opportunity. Colossians 3. We're going to study this in the fall. Jump the gun. Take notes now. Verses uh, 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's what's coming Galatians 2, verse 20, another verse that you've probably, if you've been in church at all in your life, you have heard this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For me to live is Christ, and if I die, it's my gain. And I'm just going to go ahead and make a public promise as long as God keeps me here, I'm going to preach Christ. And if you leave, you won't leave because of that. I will have said something else that is ridiculous, and you can leave for that reason, and I'm okay with that. But it won't because you didn't get the gospel. It won't be because we didn't point you to Jesus. Okay? And you can hold me accountable for that. Verse 22. Let's pick back up. Paul says, If I am to live in the flesh... That means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. And I want to be, this came up in our family group. Just, Paul doesn't get to choose whether he lives or dies. Okay, he has better theology than that. We know that because Paul taught us theology. Okay, so he's not saying whether he's choose. What he's saying is, I don't know which one I prefer right now. He doesn't get to select if he gets to live or dies. God is in control. God is providential. God is sovereign. Okay, same in our lives. So, Paul is uh, basically just saying, I don't know which one's better for me right now. All right, verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So another thing that Paul is confident in, he's confident in the Lord's plan. Are you confident in God's plan on your life? Now here's what's also different about Paul's not just confident in the Lord's plan in his life. He's also confident in the Lord's, watch out, his timing. I'm always, I'm generally, I'm not going to say always, okay, heresy. I'm generally comfortable with God's plan for my life. What makes me uncomfortable is God's timing. Well, I'll go to the ends of the earth. You call me, I'll go. But if you could wait until our kids graduate from high school, right? Or... I, I think God's calling me to go to this unreached people group, but I really want to wait until I get married. Or you fill in the blank. All of us struggle with God's timing. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while, you're pretty comfortable with his call in your life. And maybe you're not, and that's okay. But the timing of God's plan is what makes us nervous. Paul was excellent at living in the moment. 
And so for us, God's timing is not our concern. Even Jesus is not concerned about timing. And so as we follow Jesus, I, I pray that that rubs off on you as well. But Paul was so good at living in the moment for the glory of God and for the good of those around him. That's what we need to embody. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for a purpose, for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. What's the purpose of God keeping Paul alive? And I'm going to take Paul's name out and put your name in. For the progress and joy of those around you. For the progress and joy of your faith. So that you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. To glory means to carry the weight. It's that, it's that, that beautiful weighted blanket of the presence of God. Right? It's that warmth. It's that, that indwelling of God's spirit. It's the songs that we're singing this morning. It's as those things become true for us, we begin to understand God's purpose, not only of keeping Paul alive, but of also keeping us on this planet. So one of the things that, uh, as I've gotten older, I grew up in a church that had hymnals. Anybody know what a hymnal is? Okay, we would have them, but we ran out of room in the trailer, so, and there's no like uh, little seat back pocket in the blue chairs, so we don't have them, all right? But you're here. And so anyways, I, I wanna tell you a story about a hymn writer. You like this transition? I'm crushing it, okay? Uh, I love hymns. That's my point. I love them, okay? I love when we sing them. I love when they come on on my Spotify. I love being reminded about them, but I love knowing the stories behind them, okay? No song that we ever sing is written by someone that is perfect, so just know that. Neither is this song, okay? But in 1820, there was a young girl born in just north of Manhattan in New York City. When she was six weeks old, she developed an eye infection, and she was improperly treated, and she wound up becoming totally blind, okay? So at six weeks old, she loses her sight. So she's going to grow and spend her entire life having not remembered or known what it looks like to have vision, things that we often take for granted. We wake up every day. We open our eyes. You may not have to see where your slippers are because you can feel for them, but you better figure out where the door is. This girl never had that. She was blind, basically, from birth. When she was eight, can you imagine too just growing up in going to elementary school and having something like being blind and what other kids would say? But when she was eight years old, she decided that she was going to commit to a life of being content. Anybody wrestle with being content? Seriously? Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that later. All right. But this girl committed her life to being content. And she saw Every day, she would find something in the presence of God that would bring her joy, okay? So she started writing songs. She wrote some 8,000 hymns, 8,000, and she never saw the sheet music. She never saw, she couldn't read the hymnal, and she wrote 8,000 hymns. Despite her blindness, her name is Fanny Crosby. She became one of America's most prolific hymn writers. She wrote, Give Me Jesus. You know this one. This is why I bring tissues. Sorry. The last verse, okay, goes like this. Take the world, but give me Jesus. 
in his cross my trust shall be, till with, what does it say? It's on the screen. With clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. You see, we can sing that all day long. We can sing it, and we can be okay with it until you understand who wrote it. And the first thing that she saw in glory was the presence of God, the face of Jesus. Can you imagine singing and writing a song that till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I shall see. That's what Paul is talking about. That's what the Philippians needed to be reminded of. Ultimately, what's at the heart of her song, what's at the heart of Paul's message to the church in Philippi is this. What is our only hope in life and death? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that our anthem would become, take the world, but give me Jesus. He is better than anything the world has to offer. As we go and take communion and I clean myself up, um, I want us to to pause. I'm gonna read from uh, Corinthians. We haven't done this in a while. I was kind of convicted this week. We used to read this every week and the beauty, again, in Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and his encouragement in the Lord's Supper, I just, I want it to be an encouragement to you. So if you're new here, we have a bunch of lines. You come up, you take the bread, you dip it in the cup. And this is a, this is a family meal, right? You don't have to be a member of our church, but you do, we want you walking with Jesus, right? This is the, the flesh of Christ in his blood. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says. This is verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And come again, he will. And so as we go to the table, I want you to go slowly, take your time, dwell in the presence of God. Be reminded of this text. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for the beauty of your word and your grace in giving it to us. We know that oftentimes uh, the preacher may have error, but your word does not. And so I pray that your scriptures would dwell deep inside of our hearts, that our lives would begin to look different because of our commitment to your word. So Lord, we we trust you. We trust you now in this time of remembrance as we take the bread and the cup. Remind us of your salvation. Remind us that we are alive in Jesus. Would you use us in a mighty way, God? I I don't care if it's Mali or Afghanistan or China or North Korea or Yemen or Sudan or any, I don't care, or Lumpkin County that you would use us for the kingdom of God 
to be present in this place, in this season? Would you raise up men and women to be bearers of the gospel in a dark and lonely world? So Lord, I pray that our hearts would beat like Fanny Crosby's, that you'd give us eyes like she had, that we would 